The following podcast is intended for mature married adults. While all the content is wholesome and biblical, there are topics not intended for young children or those who are not married. Listener discretion is advised. Technical note. We regret to inform you that the first part of this session was not recorded due to technical issues. There's still so much that will bless you in this session. So we now join Sister Sergeant in progress for her presentation at the Calvary Marriage Seminar. You're going to change. Other events in your lives are going to change you. If you've ever lost a parent, that's going to change you. If you've ever lost a child, that's going to change you. And so the person that can either dread the journey, you know, sometimes road trips, you're like, oh, my Lord, are we ever going to get there? You can dread it, or you can learn to enjoy the ride. Wow, look at that, babe. Oh, we got to go there. I remember when Darren and I first, we weren't engaged yet, and he looked at me. It was the sweetest thing. He said, we're going to go places. I'm going to take you places. And he has been true to his word. We have gone some places. (laughs) Some of them great. Some of them like, whew, when are we going to leave that spot? (laughs) Maybe you thought when you started the game of life that it was going to be a little bit more like Candyland. Candyland, it's fun. It's a great game. You know, when you're a kid, you played that. It's a pretty simple game, too. You draw a card, and it dictates where you're going, how many squares you're going to move to. And our expectations as little kids is that we're going to make it to the ultimate goal, the candy castle. We're going to eat gumdrops on Gundrop Mountain. Oh, it's going to taste so good. And because we're all Pentecostal, we might stop and snack on the peanut brittle house, right? (laughs) I don't think you can make it to heaven if you haven't had peanut brittle. Y'all don't believe that? As children, we could only see the goal of reaching the candy castle while playing the candy, candy, can, candy land game. Sorry. We never anticipate a trouble spot. You play that game, I'm going to win. You don't anticipate that you might get stuck in the molasses swamp pit. And you might be stuck there for a while because you can't get off that spot till you draw the right card. And you're trying to figure it out. And you can't get out of it. You just thought that was going to be for the other players. Babe, that's not us. That's them. They're going to get stuck, but we're going to just have so much fun. And when we started playing this game of marriage, we had dreams that our marriage was going to be sweet and joyful. How life was just going to be sugar plums. And we're going to live in that beautiful castle. We expected this game to go our way. Not our way, but my way. I expected that this game was going to go how I wanted it to go. I had some expectations. We expect that our expectations are going to be met when we say, I do. When I said, I do, everything I expect is going to happen. And I'm sure he thought the same thing. Everything. She's never going to serve me raw chicken, but I did. (laughs) 
We all come to marriage with some expectations. When your spouse meets those expectations, it's like sugar, sweet honey. I love it. It feels so good, and we're on our way to the candy castle. But when your expectations aren't met, it feels a lot like being stuck in the molasses swamp pit. Having expectations in your marriage is not a bad thing, but choosing to make your expectations your reality without ever considering that your spouses, your spouse has, I hope you have one spouse, not two. Your spouse has expectations is detrimental to your marriage. Your expectations in your mind may be valid. It's valid that I'll never serve him raw chicken, but it happens. It's valid that he might expect that I have laundry done. But ladies, we know sometimes that doesn't get done. It's valid that I expect him to bring me flowers once in a while, but maybe there's just not money in the budget for it. When you neglect to consider that your expectations don't just involve you, but the other person you're on this journey with, that's when you're gonna have some problems. Having expectations in your marriage isn't wrong, but what if they're unrealistic expectations? And unrealistic expectations will not destroy your marriage unless you let them. You have a choice here. They can damage, they can impact your marriage in a detrimental way, and you can become a prisoner to your expectations. This is what I expect, this is what I want, And I'm going to tell you, if this is what you expect and this is what you want, you're going to be a prisoner in the swamp pit. You're going to stay in that molasses swamp pit until you figure out, sometimes you got to let some things go. Some unrealistic expectations might look like this. Your spouse cannot and will not be your everything. When you said, I do, and you stood in front of a preacher, if you thought that he was going to meet every neat ladies that you had You were wrong. Men, if you use the phrase, she completes me. Well, that's sweet, but it's wrong. It's just wrong. (laughs) By placing your your, your spouse on a pedestal, you may have forgotten that they're just a person too, like you, with needs. And making them feel like they've got to meet every single need you have is an impossible feat for them. And at some point, your spouse is never going to be able to live up to that pedestal that you've put them on. And although you're married and you're together, you're a single person. One single person cannot meet everything that you need. We're not wired that way. I can't meet every single need that he has. I can try my best to be a great wife and anticipate needs, but sometimes I'm going to just fail. And sometimes he's going to just fail. And sometimes we need to give each other a pass. We need to have grace. That's what I find a lot of times. And a lot of times I am a recovering pastor's wife as well as he's a recovering pastor. (laughs) When people would come to us and speak with us, I would think, just give them some grace already. And maybe you did or you are married to somebody who is hard to live with. Then pray for grace. And I'm going to get to that. But pray for grace. Change your focus. Take your spouse off a pedestal. Another unrealistic expectation is your spouse can read your mind. It's super cute 
And especially when you're dating, that you're like, ah, oh, he knows me. Ah, oh, he, ah, oh, he, he gets me. And, and, and you look at each other and we'll look at each other and we'll just know. Like, we'll know what the other's thinking. And we might even finish each other's sentences. Until it's not cute anymore because he can't read my mind because he doesn't think like I do. In most cases, that becomes a major issue. Ladies, we usually speak like we're playing a game of Clue. We're dropping hints. We're putting this. It's a little bit of who done it here and who did it there. And what we're hoping is that he's going to get the same conclusion that you're at. And when he opens the envelope, it's going to be like, aha, I knew what you were saying. But women, men don't speak hint. They don't speak hints. And here's where I bring in Hunter Qual, my daughter's boyfriend. <laughs> He's the cutest thing ever. If you haven't met him, you should. He's a sweet guy. For Christmas, she wanted this blue sweater from H&M. And she, we were shopping and she, she took a picture of it and she sent it to him. And I was like, well, that's cute. Well, I was in Chicago shopping and I saw it and I took a picture of it and I sent it to him. And I was like, hey, are you going to get this for her for Christmas? Because if you're not, I'm going to. He was like, she wants that for Christmas? What? You, I, literally, I literally text back. And then he said, what does she want for Christmas? I'm like, the blue sweater, dude. <laughs> she even said, snap picture sent for Christmas. Like, I don't know if that wasn't a hint or not. I think it was pretty straightforward, but he, guys don't speak hints. If you guys tell them I said that, well, I'll deny it. <laughs> We speak like we're playing a game of Clue, ladies. But men, so what I want to say real quick, ladies, make sure that you have your husband's attention. You may have to tell them things a couple of times in a sweet, sweet voice and not nagging. I told you I wanted that blue sweater and you didn't get it for me for Christmas. <laughs> Come on, that's not going to work. They don't speak hints. If you need them to take out the trash, don't be like, wow, it smells in here. Ooh, it's really stinky. Isn't trash day tomorrow? No, just be like, hey, babe, the trash is piling up. Do you mind taking it for me? And if he minds, well, take it yourself, but don't take it yourself. Be sweet. Communicate your needs. He knows that you want him to take the trash out. Now, man, you're not left out on this. A lot of times what you guys men, what you guys do, men, is you play the quiet game. You said, well, I told her I loved her on my wedding day, and I hope that she knows that, and I don't need to tell her again. But men, we women do not speak. <clears throat> what do you want for dinner? <clears throat> I don't know. What, well, what do you think about this? <sighs> Men, we don't speak shrugs and sighs. We need to hear your voices. We need to know what you want for dinner. And if you don't like something, don't tell us a year later, okay? <laughs> at our house, <laughs> I am, at our house, 
Oh, it's so funny. I made something one time. The girls are like, this is great, mom. Because it was healthy, they liked it. This is great. I'm like, hey, babe, what do you think? And he said, it's filling. (laughs) And so that, I know now that it's filling means he didn't really like it. And so I don't make it again. (laughs) But men, speak to your wives. Tell them. If you don't like something that they do, tell them. I'm going to, let me touch on this, and this isn't in my notes, but, you know, sometimes we can, I'm going to get to this part in a minute, but sometimes we can say things in front of other people about our spouses, and it can embarrass them. Don't be mad when you respond that way. Why don't you go home and say, hey, babe, when you say that, I'm just, I'm breaking it down other than the trash, okay? But communicate. Maybe your spouse doesn't realize that that story that they tell embarrasses you. And they need to hear you say it. And whoever it is, wife or husband, please listen because they're communicating. Couples, when we expect our spouses to simply know and understand our needs without communicating them clearly, you'll be left disappointed and frustrated. That's why communication is so important. And we're still on expectations and I got to move. Your husband or your wife is not your spiritual uh, they won't be your spiritual leader. While we understand that the man is the house of the, home, of the home, what I'm trying to say, it's unrealistic for you to believe that your spouse will carry the whole burden of, of living for Christ and the whole burden of being spiritual in your home. You've got to have your own relationship with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with your creator. How else are you going to know how to manage marriage if you don't have a relationship with your creator? your prayer life, your daily devotion. But I do want to point this out. The Bible shows us that Priscilla and Aquila were a couple who studied together God's word. And together, they were helping to build the church in Corinth. Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned six times in the Bible and never singly. They're always mentioned as a couple. They're always mentioned together. They work together for the kingdom of God. They're the ones, they're the reason why we have Apollos. They discipled him. So it's important. Men, your wife wants you to be the spiritual leader of your home. I promise you she does. I promise you she wants you to lead your family to God and lead lead her in the way and lead your children the way you're supposed to live. But husbands, we want you to value that we also have a relationship with God and that we have a walk with God. And if we say, you know, babe, I just feel like the Lord is telling me, don't be like, you're just a girl. You don't know. Listen, God gave you a wife for a reason. Listen, we know God's plan. We understand that it is the man is the head of the house. I'm not trying to, to say that we're not by saying we're both spiritually together, but that's the deal. We shouldn't expect one or the other to bring kids to church or to support the pastor. We've got to both be there. We've got to both be there. Now, sometimes when our expectations aren't met, this is what happens. We start pulling out the game of battleship. Yep. Now, couples, we're going to have conflict. It's proven last night with the Barkas. Where's brother and sister Barkas? That was so good. Y'all are so fun, and you gave all of us hope that I always say, if you don't fight, you don't make up. So 
Some of us call it fighting. Some of us call it conflict. And when conflicts arise in our marriage, we have a tendency to play battleship. And in battleship, there's one point, to sink the other person's battleship till everyone is gone, to totally annihilate them. That's the point of battleship. But if you do that in your marriage, well, you're gonna be in Brother Carson's office, I think. My husband always says I should have been a lawyer (laughs) because I can argue with the best of them. I can argue that this carpet is purple and you'll believe me when I'm done because I, I stay in there. I stay in there. But how we fight can make the difference between a minor disagreement and a major damage. Healthy couples fight for resolution, not for victory. Conflict isn't a relationship killer, but it's a good warning sign. And here's some warning signs and I'm gonna quickly go through those. Criticism. I already touched on it. Don't criticize your spouse in front of others. Don't take every fight as a, as a minute, as a time to criticize. Contempt. If your husband brings a conflict to you, women, don't we like, roll in your eyes and they bounce across the floor. Men, don't have a snarky remark. Don't be defensive. If your husband or your wife brings you a legitimate conflict concern, don't be like, do that. No, you must be talking about somebody else. We are quick to get defensive. We have to admit that we're defensive. We have to admit in this moment right now that we all have the ability to get defensive. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody does. I don't care if you're the most passive person in this place. You don't want to be told you're wrong. Stonewalling. That's that's another way of recognizing that you're not handling conflicts and and fights well. You're stonewalling. You're fighting against your person, that person God gave you. Get on the same same team and fight for the spiritual issues. Fight against spiritual issues like pride and hardening of the heart in your relationship. We must remember that we're playing for the same team. We're playing to win together, not separately. I don't want to sink every boat in the ocean. I want us to fight together. I want us to arrive at the same conclusion. How can we remind ourselves that we need to? Let me give you some tips on fighting fair. Let's just do it that way. Number one, pause. Pause before you speak. Number one, it's a sign of self-control, but if I pause before I say that snarky remark, I may not say it. I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna think about how is this gonna affect him if I say it? Pray, pray daily. I'm telling you, there are some times that Darren Sargent, I loved him. I love him more today than yesterday because yesterday he got on my nerves kind of a thing. That's a joke, you guys. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> there are sometimes I've had to pray for him. I've had to pray for things that he annoys me about. Instead of badgering and going over and over, I'm just going to let God work on him, and I'm going to just pray for him. And practice showing grace and forgiveness, and I've already touched on that. Because here's the deal. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved us while we were yet sinners that he gave himself for us. Ultimately, our marriages are to show Christ to one another. I'm supposed to love Darren Sargent the way I love Jesus Christ. And he needs to love me the same way. 
my Savior forgave me, but I'm going to hold a grudge against him? That's wrong. And that's not what the Lord wants us to do. Once you've forgiven, forget. Ladies, this is where we're really bad. It's like we're playing a game of risk and we're amassing all of our armies and we're stockpiling all of our ammunition. And even though we've already told him before this argument, we're like, but here it is again. We need to forgive, forget, and move on. You cannot move on if you don't forgive and forget. Move on. Let God heal it. Now, at the beginning, I told you that I used to play this game with my grandmother called Racco, and I have it right here, actually. It's the very game that we used to play. I'm going to give you some tips for winning big. There is one way to win at Racco. You can win when you just get the, the, the cards in order. There's another way to win and win big, and that's when you get the cards in order in a run, like three, four, five, 15, 16, 17. You can get 75 extra points or 150 extra points. So I want to leave you with some ways to win big. Don't get bogged down in the mundane of life that you miss the fun of the game. It's easy to get bogged down with life and the responsibilities that we have in marriage, that it becomes mundane and boring. Don't get distracted while playing the game. Have you ever played the game with somebody and they're like, it's not my turn, so I'm going to pull out my phone and look at Instagram. And they could care less that you just, you know, block their way in Catan. You, they can't, they can no longer build because you've blocked their way. Well, they weren't paying attention, so it didn't matter, but... Nobody likes to play with somebody who's distracted. Their mind isn't in the game. They're physically there, but they're not really there. They're just going through the motion. Don't get distracted in your marriage. Distraction, well, it brings problems. Prioritize your spouse. In the world that we live in, I can say yes to a thousand things. And my husband might understand if I don't have time. But if I say no often enough, it's going to be really hard to overcome if I don't prioritize him and I put my children in front of him, my work in front of him, my life in front of him, and he's on the back burner some way. So choose your spouse over every earthly relationship that you would have. Prioritize your time with them so they feel valued, cherished, and loved. Support each other this is so important. I need to support every dream he has, even the crazy ones. And he needs to support every dream I have, even the crazy ones. Even the crazy ones. Sometimes he may come to me and say, babe, I want to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> we need to support even the crazy ones. It's a place where we we're going to share burdens and goals and accomplishments. Support each other in the game of marriage. Now, you need to exercise PG-rated PDA. And what does that mean? Well, don't be afraid to let your husband kiss you in front of your children. Men, hold your, hand, your wife's hand in public. We like that. Kiss him goodbye in the morning and kiss him hello when he comes home at night. 
Grab her for a spontaneous hug while she's cooking dinner. Even if she protests she doesn't like it, she really does. There's nothing necessarily romantic about it. In fact, it's more of just a sign of respect. When I'm out in public with my husband and I reach for his hand, I'm saying, that is mine. This is my person. I love him. I'm connected to him. When he kisses me on the cheek, and my goodness, he had a really bad habit doing this, doing this when we were pastoring. <laughs> he would say, I'm going to now turn it to my wife. And he would kiss me in front of the entire congregation, <laughs> which was so sweet. Because he was saying, I don't know about y'all, but this is mine. And he sealed it with a kiss. Now, don't be afraid to be vulnerable with each other. When we play games, we like to win. We don't want to show our hand or give our strategies away. We like to win. But there's no other time in our marriage when we're most vulnerable when it's just you and me in the bedroom. Now, he touched it last night. You can turn your ears off if you want, but this world is going to talk about sex. So for a second, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say something. If you look at the, the act of sex in marriage, it's the ultimate act of submission. Not just wife being submitted to her husband, but submission one to another. That's the kind of submission that the Lord wants. There's no other place in your marriage where you're going to probably feel the most vulnerable. And I believe that's why God meant for us to be with one person so that we could grow together. So we learn to trust each other. It's where we come together as one flesh we meet each other's needs, and we learn to build trust for one another. So learn how to embrace this vulnerability. The reality is, in the game of marriage, we aren't opponents on opposing teams. We're, we're playing for the same team. It's a team effort. When Darren wins, I win. And when I win, he wins. I really am closing, but I'm going to bring you back to this box. This box represents a lot for me, a lot for me. I played it, my parents played it, Darren and I played it. It was given to me by my grandmother, my name is really on the front, she wanted to make sure I, I, you can barely see it, it's so old, it's tattered. But she wanted to make sure that I got it when she passed. But it also represents some failed marriages, some hurts and a distrust, some broken trust. You see, my, my grandmother, she had a baby when she was single, and it wasn't even the 1950s yet, and it wasn't popular to have babies out of wedlock. She married my grandfather. He ran around on her. They divorced. She married my step-grandfather. They never divorced, but he ran around on her. And it was a cycle of broken marriages, and when my mom met my father, My father ran around on her. My mom raised me in church, and I know what it's like to, to be under the power of the Holy Ghost. I know what it's like to serve. My dad, on the other hand, would make, wake us up at night when he was not ready to quit partying, and my mother had to be at work, and he would take us to the bars. And I remember as a nine-year-old girl sitting in a bar in the corner, given a Coke and something to eat so I would be quiet. And in the corner, I will never forget this image. 
I'm in the corner with my brother. I'm in my pajamas because he rushed us out the door. And across the way and at the end of the bar is my dad and another lady who is not my mother. And I remember thinking, that's not right. There's something wrong with this picture. I should, number one, be in bed. It's a school night. I am nine years old. I should not be in a bar. There's something wrong here. And I shouldn't be witnessing what I'm seeing right now. Her hands on my mom, my dad, that's not right. What this box represents for me is brokenness and tatteredness. But I determined that I didn't want my marriage to look like that. I didn't want what had been modeled to me. My parents ultimately divorced because my, my dad's infidelity. And you know what I did? My children have never played out of this box. I've never opened it up for them because I didn't want them to see what I saw. So I got a brand new box of Racco and I taught them to play a different game than I had been taught because I was determined that the, that the generational curse was going to stop with me. And I'm telling you right now, and I know we have more things to do, but I'm telling you right now, if you come from a broken mess, you don't have to have the same marriage that your parents had. That is an absolute lie from the enemy. You can make sure that you open a brand new game and that you change the way the, role, the rules were taught to you. It's so important. My husband's going to come now. Don't stop playing the game. Don't give up. Don't say, well, that's how my parents were. That's what I've got to do. God has more for you today.